Welcome to the What We Talked About in Class podcast, brought to you from the campus of Johnston Community College in Smithfield, North Carolina, underwritten by Anchor, where everyone can make a podcast for free. Hey everybody, it's Ryan Bradshaw again from the campus of Johnston Community College. And today I've got a special guest with me. This is Ann Jones joining us, who is the co-founder of District C. And I'm going to welcome you, Ann, to the podcast. How are you doing? Thanks so much. I'm doing great. Happy Wednesday. Yeah, and thanks again for being here. I know like you've got a lot of competing priorities like everybody does, but I'm really appreciative that you would take the time to join us and just share a little bit more about District C. So let me give the listeners a little bit of background. I met you at a Teams meeting that was for a uh, Chamber of Commerce. It may have been Teams or Zoom or one of these other <laughs> virtual things we're doing <laughs> nowadays. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, we met virtually and yeah. I immediately liked the project that you're working on, which is District C. And we'll talk more about that in a second. And as we were talking and getting to know each other a little bit better, I said, you know, this person would be a great fit for the podcast because you've got an interesting message. Where we, I look for common ground with individuals, and the common ground we share is we want to see students be successful because if students are successful, our society is successful, we're successful as educators, and it really, I believe education helps address a lot of woes of society. I, I fundamentally believe that. And so, like, you know, I care about some of these big, big issues that, that, that we talk about, and I think edu- if, if you've got a solid education, it helps address, like, for example, people that, ha- that, that are educated, they have better health care outcomes. They have better yeah. socioeconomic outcomes, you know. And so things like that, I just think education helps so much. And you, your team at Team C is helping to address that. So before I dive into Team C, tell me a little bit about you. And, and the way I'm going to ask this, because I, I always ask this a different way, but tell me about you. So tell me about Ann. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, honestly, you know, when I kind of think back, people ask a lot, you know, well, how'd you end up doing District C and where did it all start? And I say, you know, don't worry, I'm not going to go on and on. But it really did start um, growing up on a family farm. Uh, I'm from outside of a small town, uh, Seward, Nebraska. Okay. And, you know, I mean, I qualified to be able to drive on a farm permit. So I was driving at 14 and worked in the fields, uh, you know, cutting weeds and, you know, doing corn pollination work and all that kind of stuff. But I, I, I like to mention that because, you know, when you're born into a farming family, you learn teamwork and you learn problem solving at an early age because you're part of the family business. So, yeah, that's kind of where it all started for me. Right. And so started with humble beginnings, you know, farming. And what, what was your what was your crop that you primarily grew? We grew mostly corn and soybeans right. uh, and still to this day, yeah, my folks are, are still involved and, you know, they're working with some other younger guys uh, these days, but they, they still love it and my dad's out there driving tractors and driving the three-wheeler around to see what's going on. So, yeah, it just sort of is part of who you are and it, that doesn't go away. Right. I've had a lot of experiences in my life, but I've never had the privilege of being a farmer, but I've always been farm adjacent. Uh, and I say farm, uh, the privilege of being a farmer because I know what a awesome responsibility and privilege it is to be a farmer to somebody that provides food, you know, to to our world. And um, in high school, I was a member of FFA for several years and yeah. got a lot of exposure to to agriculture through that. Um, had probably one of my favorite teachers in high school was an FFA advisor. 
uh, and an agriculture teacher, ag, ag ed. And I got to give props to FFA for helping me develop public speaking skills. I mean, it's really, you know, um, formational for me, you know. And then uh, now I got involved with Society St. Andrew, which I've talked to you about briefly. Yes. Uh, got involved with those guys about three years, almost four years ago now. And they are a organization that works with farmers to help glean leftover crops because most people don't know this, but about 40% of the food we produce goes wasted or un, it's an untapped resource. And so we really have about double the amount of food resources in this country that we just don't utilize because uh, everybody wants to buy the pretty produce, right? You know, you want to buy the, the, the cantaloupe that doesn't have a nick on it or a scar. It's perfectly edible. And I even told you a story about one of my producers that I go visit. They probably throw away somewhere between five and 10,000 pounds a day of, of cantaloupes and and I was just like, man, if people just saw these opportunities, because somebody that wanted to, to you know, use that, I mean, it's there to be used because it's going to be thrown away. So, so anyway, you started out, you know, in Nebraska, you went to high school. So where did you end up next after that? Yeah, you know, I, I followed my brother uh, out to Dartmouth College in New Hampshire. Um, That's a big jump. Which was, yeah, it was a big jump uh, in a lot of ways. Actually, I this is crazy. I shouldn't even be admitting this, but it was the first time that I'd ever really even slept away from home. I mean, right. I was just not the kid that did the overnights at friends' houses, or I was just pretty comfortable just staying home. So, yeah, it was a big jump for me in a lot of ways. Uh, it really helped that my brother was there, though, for sure, and just feeling like, you know, I still had family if, if I needed anything. So, so when you were um, a freshman? Yeah, and then I stayed in New England. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, when, when he was a freshman, when you were a freshman, what um what year was he? He was the junior, so we're two years apart. Oh, okay, yeah. that's cool, that's cool. And so what did you study yeah. when you went to your undergrad? Yeah, well, it's funny, you know, I, I thought I was um, going to be a, a marine biologist, and then I discovered that uh, it's a little bit dicey to do much scuba diving if you're asthmatic. And, yeah. and I am as mad. And so I was like, maybe I should rethink that. So, uh, you know, I honestly kind of started at that time to fall in love with education and and learning uh, both sort of individual learning processes, but also organizational learning. And so I, pushed, I pieced together a major in, in the psychology department and really kind of focused on learning theory in those ways and and loved it and then you know went on straight into teaching from there so i got my master's right out of college and taught for five years and went back for some more school and uh yeah just kind of never looked back in terms of investing in education from, from that point forward my best friend is a psychologist shout out to bill raboli and um we we i've learned a ton I, i'm not a psychologist don't claim to be but it's i love the discipline of psychology and I think a lot of people think that psychologists are always analyzing you, but that's not the case at all. You know, I mean, <laughs> psychologists are just regular people that just have an interest in in psychological theory and, and mental health sure. and things like that. So, but yeah. um, so you taught, and what discipline did you teach in? Did you teach in the undergrad psychology? No, I actually um, I taught middle school science. Oh, so cool. I taught, uh, yeah, I taught sixth grade science, uh, physical science. So in the state of Massachusetts, that was kind of the, the the what they did there. And then I bumped up to eighth grade and taught the earth science curriculum. So it was rocks, weather, and astronomy, uh, right. and, and I loved it. <laughs> right. So, like, how, how did you find teaching? Was what were some of the the rewarding parts and the challenging parts when, when it comes to K twelve teaching? Yeah, you know, um, 
I'll tell a short story that I think illustrates the rewarding parts. Um, so my very first year of teaching, I'll never forget the, the principal kind of sat me down and he said, you know, I want to give you a heads up that the, the team of teachers that you're going to be working with, there is a student that's coming to you um, who is very, who is very challenging. And I just kind of want you to know, I was like, okay, great. That's no problem. Let's just, we'll have him go by the name of Eli. And, um, you know, so I, I met Eli and, I, and uh, I was like, this is great. You know, I was the kind of teacher literally on the first day, I took all the locks off the cabinets. Remember, I'm a science teacher, so I got, I had stuff, right? right, right. Took all the locks off the cabinets, opened the doors, and the first day the students sit down and they had a problem to solve, right? And I said, anything in these cabinets is yours, just put it back, it's got to stay organized, uh, go. And th this was really different, you know, most students are kind of waiting to be told what to do, um, and boy, Eli loved that. I mean, he was the first student out of his seat. He was creative. He was fearless. He would try stuff. Um, other teachers would come see Eli in my classroom and be like, this is not the same kid. Uh, and I said, yeah, I, I you know, I've, and, and, and Eli was what had dyslexia. And so there were challenges for him, but, but he was a leader. And when there was time to do projects, everybody wanted Eli on, on their team. Right now, fast forward, uh, this is years later. Uh, this this was when Eli was a sixth grader. So now Eli and his peers are in adulthood. I'm on an airplane uh, flying to New York City and walking down the aisle. And all of a sudden I hear Miss Jones, Miss Jones. And I look up and and it's it's one of my former students. And then and let's have her go by the name of Liz. And, and Liz says, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this. She's now gone through Harvard is consulting, you know, rock star, all this and that. Let's have lunch. Liz, I would love that. So we meet in Manhattan. Liz and I sit down, we have lunch and she gives me the, the line every teacher wants to hear, right? Miss Jones, I want you to know the most important thing I learned in your earth science class. I was like, oh boy, here we go, right? She said, what I learned was that Eli is smart. Really? So put that in perspective, what did that mean? I think that she began to see the value of what Eli's strengths were. That willingness to try, that jumping up out of his seat, that complexity problems, no, no big deal. I'll work my way through it. That persistence, that grit. He wasn't great on the memorization. He wasn't great on sort of the traditional things that we asked him to do in school. Right. And that's all she'd ever seen him. And then they were classmates. I mean, that's all she'd ever really encountered. So there were challenges there. But in my class, it was different. And that opened her eyes. And as I said, they he was a leader. Students saw him differently. So I think that changed her perspective uh, on sort of, you know, how you see people and and I think was noted her surprise. I just, which is amazing. I mean, I, you know, I think to really help people understand we all have strengths and th those strengths are so diverse. But if you actually invest in understanding people's strengths, I mean, listen, this is, this is what you're doing, Ryan. You're taking time to invest and to learn about others and to hear their stories and their diverse strengths and their diverse expertise. If everyone did what you did and saw the value and that was motivated by that, boy, what a world we'd live in. Yeah, I, well, I 100% agree with everything you said, obviously. Um, you know, 
when it comes to management, it's all about personal one-on-one connections. And yes. I learned that a long time ago that if you invest in people, people will invest in you. And it's not this idea of reciprocation, meaning that I don't give my time with the expectation that you'll give it back to me, but it's a naturally occurring thing. It just happens where if I, I, I told my folks here that, you know, early on the first day or first week that I want to be the kind of leader that helps you achieve your goals, whatever they may be. If your goal is to leave here in three to five years, I'm not going to say you must stay, you know, and that is such a contrast to the way a lot of leaders operate. I've had leaders tell me in the past, never leave me, you know, and that, that's just not realistic. You know, people grow. They have to move around sometimes. And so I told right. I told my folks, whatever your goal may be, let me know. I want to help you get there. And I sincerely mean that because if I have somebody that knows that, that knows that I'm championing what they're doing and really care about them getting to the next level, whatever that is, they're going to like – it's just going to improve everything. It's going to improve morale. It's going to improve outcomes. It's going to improve – uh, or actually improve things like uh, absenteeism, absenteeism or turnover. All those things yeah. are better because of that belief. And so, so you, I mean, I, I love what you told me too about this student that had this paradigm shift about this one individual. Because when I, you know, started teaching, you know, this is something that comes up in higher ed a lot is that teachers are not taught how to teach in higher ed. You know, they just you have an expertise in a particular field. And then you jump in and they say, good luck, you know, and we'll develop you as you go. In fact, my first my first teaching job full time, um, I showed up and like I was one week out from the semester starting. I got hired. And then they the, the, the moment I signed the contract to get hired, they handed me a stack of books. It's like, here you go. Here we go. And I was like, all right, I'm pumped. But the first day I had this this crisis of confidence thinking, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know enough. And my mentor, one of my mentors said, you're, you're going to be fine. You know more than you think you know, and you definitely know more than the students know. And so um, over the years, though, my, my approach has, has, has been refined, and I think I've gotten better. But it is amazing, though. I had to rely on the teaching methodologies of all the teachers that were the best teachers in my life. And I think back to, like you said, this, 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 this student that was speaking to you, Liz, about her paradigm shift, and every every teacher that was an impactful teacher that made a difference left something with me that was pretty much not related to the material. It was related to it was related to how to be a better person and how to live your life, and that's the takeaways that I have from the best teachers I have. And and honestly, the way I am with with this conversation and things you've been talking about is because those teachers have impressed upon me how to treat people and how to, how to, how to, how to thrive, you know, in this world. So, so you, um, you talked to Liz at this point, you said you've, you've gone through grad school, went to Harvard. That's a, that's an amazing experience, I'm sure. And, um, you did your doctorate in education, correct? And so what was the goal with that? So was, 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 are you looking, were you looking towards a professorship or beyond? What, what, what were your thoughts as for pursuing that? Yeah. That's actually a great question. No, I wasn't. I never, um, I feel like this was maybe a little bit of uh, the ignorance is bliss. Like I honestly, when I applied and got into the, to the ED program at Harvard, um, I know I was learn. I wanted to learn, right. Yeah. I wanted to keep learning. I, I loved teaching, but I knew I wanted to give myself the time and the space just to like learn a bunch so that I could do more and, and impact lives at scale and in different ways at systems levels, things like that. 
to know. And honestly, I don't even know that it totally dawned on me that most people go and get their, do their doc work because they want to be a professor or go into research or those sorts of things. So no, totally not even, not even think about that, but did sort of realize that there's some, you you need to, that there's a difference. Right. And I, and I think how I chose to spend my time and, and all of those things uh, would have been different if I wanted to be sort of on a faculty track versus knowing that I wanted to be back in practice. So fortunately for me, uh, I was surrounded by amazing, just amazing, amazing uh, people at the university that supported that and uh, were connected in those ways and had those stories in their background as well, even though they'd gone from sort of practice into higher ed and academia. Um, but yes, I, I just got really lucky, to be honest. I just sure. I just kind of jumped in. <laughs> You know, I love that you said lucky because I've had debates with people about luck. And there is a, to, I mean, I, I've talked to people that don't believe in luck. They think it's all all me. I do everything. And <laughs> me, I'm a very pragmatic person. And I believe that life is a lot of randomness. And you have control of some of that randomness, but some of it you don't. And so, yeah. like, where you're born, who your parents are the economy in which you live in, the country in which you live in, there's a lot of random things that happen that you could just say luck or randomness. And so, you know, uh, I just, I say, you know, I appreciate the fact that you attribute some of your success to just the random thing, the random path that you've gone down. So do you think that at some point you might get into the faculty side of it and, and go be a, a faculty somewhere like maybe later in your career? Yeah. Don't know? I, I, I don't know. Um, sure. You know, I, I, about it. Um, I certainly have opportunities to work with college age students, uh, folks in post-secondary, and, and I love that time of life. I love, but honestly, I love, I love people that are like wanting to learn. Like it's that, that moment where you sort of have made that commitment to be vulnerable, to put yourself out there, to get back in that uncomfortable place. Boy, I don't, I, I don't care what group you're with or institute. I mean, I'm in, I would love right. to talk to you. So, so maybe because that is a really, you know, that is, those are institutions where people of all ages increasingly, frankly, have come back and said, I want to learn. I want to be in that place. And I, I love that little Petri dish. So yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I've always sort of thought my nose, to be honest. The door so is I, not hundred percent closed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Well, you know, this is, I, I love that you're talking about learning because I tell my students that it didn't occur to me really until I graduated. I was actually at graduation with my undergrad that I'd actually learned a lot. Like that revelation didn't hit me until that day. Well, the reason why my goal wasn't, my goal is like so many other students. It was very transactional. I'm here to get this piece of paper so I can have, have more value in the marketplace. Very, and that's, and, and, and actually, I'll say that's partly my fault, but it's actually partly um, the system's fault because that's how we present it to students. It's like, oh, you want to go to college because you'll make more money. You know, you'll get this job and make more money. And, you know, the idea of sell, saying you want to go to college to learn things, that's not attractive. You know, people don't, don't really buy into that. It's almost like education in higher ed is a, is a side effect of the primary motivation of jobs, you know. And don't get me wrong, I get it. People need to have a good lifestyle and livelihood, and I get all that. But the learning is so much more enriching, you know, like, I mean, it's like this wonderful gift that you get going through a college education uh, that you don't realize until sometimes after the fact that, you know, like psychology, for example, if you'd asked me in high school opinions and thoughts on psychology, I have nothing to offer. 
But now that I've been through a couple of classes, I can at least give you some ideas that I've, I've put through my lens now and can give you some critical thought on it. And so this brings you to the public sector now, I guess, or um, you, you graduated, you've got your, doc, your doctorate now, and th- what was the first stop yeah. after that? Did, was it District C? Was that the first stop, or did you do some other things? No, I, so I did some consulting for a while with uh, a project out of Harvard called the DataWise Project, which is still going, is amazing, uh, love that team, really learned so much. I still, I still use so, so much of that. This is truly standing on the shoulders of greatness, right? Um, and so, yeah, I did that for a little while, and then I got hired uh, to be the chief program officer for a national nonprofit called Project Lead the Way, uh, which, again, just surrounded by so much talent and the, not just the team, but the, the educators and the students and the businesses. Um, and from there, actually, was was when I, uh, my husband and I actually co-founded District C. Cool. Uh, and so that was kind of the, those were the, the stepping stones yeah. from that. So what was, now we're getting into the, the goodies, the weeds of the District C. So, so what was the genesis of the idea? Tell me about that process. Because when you start a big initiative like this, that's got, I mean, just in North Carolina right now, you guys are doing five counties and there's a lot of moving parts. And so what yeah. was the brainchild? What was the genesis of this idea? And how did you kick things going? Yeah. Um, it's such a great question, and it was a little bit more of a slow boil for me, honestly. Um, you know, I, I there are a few things I'll point to. One is, um, so there was a course that, uh, that we offered uh, at Project Lead the Way called uh, Introduction to Engineering Design. And if you think about that course title, Introduction to Engineering Design, you would think if ever there were a course about working in teams to solve problems, right? Engineering design is always collaborative. Design is about problem solving. So like that, you'd think like that would be the course. And I remember um, a lot of times when you would talk to teachers or students, they would refer to it as um, the CAD class mm-hmm. or, or the inventor class, which which was the software they use. So computer-aided design. Right. And the reason was because a big part of that course was the students learned inventor. They learned 3D solid modeling. Uh, as a technical tool, which is great and amazing and so cool and used across sectors these days, right? But that really was how they oriented to the class. It was around this one particular technical skill. So what occurred to me was this idea of sort of like, what are you front staging and what what gets backstaged, right? And so to to continue the example, if you're front staging a a particular technical skill, then that becomes what it's about, right? And you think about how you would teach that and what you would learn as a result of that. And problem solving or teamwork things sort of things get sort of backstaged. Which means that's not necessarily, not that you're not learning those things, but it's not so much in your conscious, uh, your consciousness as a learner. So the question I started to ask was, what if we reverse that? What if we front stage teamwork and problem solving and left the technical content and skills kind of whatever, like sure, you'll learn stuff, but like that's not the primary motivator. So for example, we had a group of students who were solving a problem um, for a pop-up men's clothing uh, boutique shop. And they wanted, they literally drove from city to city in an Airstream and their whole shop was inside this Airstream. So you'd go park somewhere, push it out through social media and people could come shop at your Airstream. 
the students wanted to design a solution to totally remodel, switch from an Airstream to a school bus. And so they were sitting around saying, how are we going to show our client our idea? Like, how are we going to show them this total redesign of how to set up the shop and where that, where, you know, where the dressing room is and where you want to put your folded things and your hangers and what goes on the walls. And so they're like, oh, well, we need a 3D model to show him that, which is using things like, you know, Fusion or Inventor, or they used Google SketchUp. So yes, they learned that technical skill, but only because they needed to. <laughs> well, I don't mean to interrupt, but it's almost like necessity is the mother of invention. So you're creating a need, and then they go figure out how to solve that need. And that, and that was fun stage for us, right? What we cared about was that they were hearing from everybody, they were leveraging each other's strengths, and they were working through the complexity of that problem toward a solution that was going to add value to the business. The rest is gravy, right? So, so that was sort of in concept the origins of it. But here's the other piece that for, for Dan and I both – we were hiring managers. I mean, we were building in teams and hiring people and trying to recruit and retain great talent and invest in people, just as you were describing. And what became very clear to us, what you read in the research, which is there are things that get you considered for the job and there are things that get you hired. Right. And the people we wanted to hire were team players and thinkers. And that's really hard to find. It is. Because nobody gives you a chance to practice that with coaching. <laughs> We're like, aha, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> so that was it. I mean, honestly, it was that sort of experience from the hiring manager's perspective. And again, we see this play out in, in all the surveys that we're doing, asking hiring managers across sector, across size of business, right? What are the things you need? What's going on with talent? What are you really looking for? And you know, they're like, look, we want we want thinkers, we want team players, deal with complexity that can communicate again and again and again. And the truth is, is that a lot of the things that are more rote or procedural, that stuff's being done by computers these days. So we don't need people to do those things. We increasingly need people to deal with the messy stuff, which teamwork and problem solving. Right. That's great. Messy. So how long has Team C been in information now? A couple of years, I believe. Yeah, District C actually on February twenty first we celebrated five years. Which, hey, which we were that's a huge a, yes. That's so a we huge milestone. Five years and yeah, two days old. That's excellent. <laughs> did y'all have a party yeah. or a cake or anything, or did you did you do any type of celebration? No, we didn't. We we celebrated with our team and our community, and it was just it was a day to be so grateful for all the people that we've met and worked with and learned from and who championed our work. I mean, it's, it's people like you who are like on board and willing to take a chance on us and see the value and, and we're all pushing that stone uphill. So yeah, it was, we feel really great about it, but it's such a, it's such a community effort. No question. So just to share with the listeners, my experience with team C so far. So when I met and she explained to me that they're looking for people to be problem offerers or problem givers. Problem providers. <laughs> problem yeah. providers. Yeah, get the terminology right. So, <laughs> but um, I would work with a group of high school students who would have a coach, and I would provide a problem from our institution for this group of students to solve. It's a front end, yeah. front end, front end problem, and the problem we're going to provide to the students is is a legitimate problem, which is um, we struggle with cr- crossing the barrier uh, on social media to the, the the demographic we're trying to reach. So like 
I went out and created a TikTok and a Facebook and an Instagram and a Twitter for our division. But when I post things, I post things, you know, that are little little ads and stuff. Then I post pictures of me or videos of me talking about something. And I realize I'm not the demographic that they want to see when they go look at these videos and stuff, even though I think they're okay, but they're just not fantastic. And so I've looked around at other colleges and seen some good things and bad things other colleges are doing. And the ones that are doing great work, they are incorporating students to create the content. And they're creating content that they would want to watch and share with their friends. And so that being said, I believe we need to be cultivating relationships with students from freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior. And so the problem I'm going to give this group of students is tell us, you know, how to create videos, but I want you to create videos that you would want to watch and create videos that you would want to share that talk about our institution and kind of promote our programs. And so that's going to be the problem. And then the net result, I would like for them to have something like five to 10 videos, one minute clips that they would enjoy. They think was funny, interesting, shareable, and that would help us tremendously give us a model for how to market to this demographic because, um, this this age group, and I'm, I'm classifying them probably 22 and under, my children, I've got an 11 and a 13-year-old, they like the pithy, funny, quick, quirky, TikTok-type video that's 15 to fifteen to 60 seconds. And so I, re- I know what I'm looking for. I just don't think I can personally provide it. And so I need high school students and college-age students to help me solve that problem. And I'm looking forward to what they can do because if you give students autonomy to do creative and awesome work, I think that they will go above and beyond what my expectation is. And I'm hoping that's the case. I mean, honestly, you know, we've at this point, we've worked with over 170 businesses and we ask them this very question, have you or will you use something that you learn from the work with these student teams? 83% 83% of these businesses have said, yeah, we're, we're right. using it. I mean, the, yeah, they can totally do it. And, and it's one of the pieces, This it, it is kind of shocking, I think, to some extent to both businesses and students, right? Students are like, oh my gosh, this is real. Like this business is like really looking to me for my perspective, Absolutely. for my ideas, for my how would they do this? I mean, that's a little bit, it's different for them, right? Which is exactly why we're doing District C. Like they have got to have more experiences like that. And businesses, I think too, are thinking, ah, can they really do this? Can they really add value? I mean, we've had, you know, a, a, a CEO of a company that's made, that's had sold multiple companies. I mean, this is a very well-respected, and he walked out of that pitch and he said, finish school and call me. Awesome. Meaning like, I, not only do I love your ideas that I'm going to like, we had one guy, he was on his phone. He said, I'm texting my team. I'm calling an all hands meeting tomorrow morning and I'm going to take them through your thinking. I mean, th- this is game changer. I mean, right. This is, we talked to our students about, you mentioned earlier, like the, the too often the game of school feels transactional and it, and it feels sort of like I'm doing this to get me the, the, the carrots that I need. The game of the real world is not like that. It is an opportunity to add value. And when you get students working with organizations and solving real problems, Ryan, like you just described and the work that they're going to get to do this summer with JCC, they have the chance, the opportunity to add real value and actually see that get implemented. I mean, when the students actually get to see 
for example, their social media posts go live and not just get, you know, one like from, from, from me, cause I saw the book, yeah. but they actually get, you know, 200 likes or a thousand likes. Right. And they're like, wow, that's real value. I mean, that's the real world. Like, that's what we need to, to spend time on. But I will say that part of our philosophy at District C goes back to something else you said, Ryan, which is we need coaches. You, you, you said this a little bit ago. You can't just say, like, go do the work. Good luck with that. Like, these young people have not had the opportunity to know what do high-performing teams do, what do they sound like, what do they look like, how do they interact, what tools do they use. You need a coach to help you with that. Same thing with complexity. Here's a business I've never met, a problem I've never thought about, and a person I've never talked to before. And they want me to solve a problem for them? Like, where do I start? And by the way, I'm doing this with other people? Are you kidding? I mean, how do you do that? How do you work in a team in the face of complexity at a high level? That requires coaching. And and I, I so just exactly to what you said earlier, I mean, this feels very common sense to me, but and I think to most others, but here is here is, is, is a way we're doing it and fitting it into our existing infrastructure of education because we've invested so much time and money of so many people into this infrastructure. Let's use that infrastructure well, right? Let's get kids as part of their school day, teachers as part of their workload doing this, right. doing this kind of work. And honestly, the value and, and the bridges that you build between people, school to community, it, it's just, it's just so fun to watch. And that's why I say when we celebrate District C's birthday, it's it's such a community celebration because it is all about bringing these people together, learning from each other, uh, you know, breaking down those barriers and building those bridges, which is super rewarding. You know, um, there's so many things you talked about, but parents and you hear it in the media that they want more opportunities for internships. They want real world practical experience. Yeah. This solves that problem, you know, and it does it in a way that incorporates it into a infrastructure that's already in place. Um, where did the name District C come from? I haven't asked you that. Yeah, it's a great question. The C actually is around this word community. Okay. Um, and we knew from the beginning, we wanted district to sort of talk about schools and districts and education, but really reimagining the relationship between districts and communities. You know, it, it, it's... For the most part, school is that place where you go. It's in that building over there. And it feels too separate from the real world. Right. It feels so separate from the community. The stuff that you do is not really related. It has nothing to do with the community. We've got to change that. So District C was really uh, a mound sort of reimagining that relationship between, between the district and the communities. But also a lot of great words start with C, right? Creativity, collaboration, curiosity, <laughs> critical thinking. So we're like, yeah, let's go with that. I like it. I like it. You know, and you, I love how you frame that, that the school districts often are this thing over there. You know, it's separate, but it should be a part of the community. Part and, of. and two things. I actually just did a read-through on these uh, applications for Teacher of the Year uh, with the Chamber of Commerce called Flame for Learning. And I read through 58 essays. And the overarching theme, and these are independently written by individuals, the overarching theme in all of them was more community involvement. We want the community to be involved with the schools. And so yeah. that was, and I said that at my meeting when I went to talk about it, and everybody saw the same thing I did. But the other yeah. thing is, not only is it the school districts, it's the community college, you know, that is this thing over here. 
that I believe is a hugely undertapped resource within communities. Um, yep. you know, and there's this stigma around community colleges that it's lesser or it's not as good as a four-year institution when, in fact, we're held to the same standard as our four-year brothers and sister institution. You know, so, like, we, we just need to, like, I, I think students need to recognize the value within a community college. And so that's part of what my message is on my podcast is to, to tell students, this needs to be your first choice. We can help you get oriented to higher education if that's what you want to go. Or if you want to get oriented toward that workplace experience, we can give you some experiences here that would do that. So, all right, we're getting close to the time, and I don't want to I don't want to keep you uh, more than, than I told you I would, but I have uh, two quick questions. So what goals do you have for yourself going forward? Well, our goal for District C is to really become a national uh a, a, a national program and really have every high school in this country where a student could find a teamship experience, right? They could be part of this team, team, uh, team-based internship. It's, it's an, it's a bit of an audacious goal we know, but, um, we're on our way and we feel like the progress we've made, we're already in seven States and have coaches in seven different States. And honestly, our coaching institutes virtual. And so it makes it really easy for people to join wherever. No, so as far as your national strategy, would you see District C actually pitching this to the Department of Ed and seeing if they could go that route to help with the rollout? Or is that what you guys are thinking as a part of a strategy? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, working with state-level departments of education is critical. I mean, they are such a backbone and such a support for our districts and schools. And I think taking the time to really listen to hearing what are their priorities and how do we fit, or, or if not, that's okay too. But like, I, I think our orientation has been, let's be, start with sort of understanding. And we live here in North Carolina, so that has been a wonderful relationship. But as you move into new states, you don't know people and you have to just sort of understand, like, listen first, learn first. Right. Uh, I, I think that comes from my humble beginnings, sure. as you said, like that's always been my style, but I think that's the strategy. But I also know that businesses really want this too. I mean, what we're finding is is, is educators get this, right? They They're not, they agree with us. What they need is to find a model that's feasible, that has the kind of impact they're looking for, that can scale and that can sustain over time. And I think when people begin to get to know us, they're like, yeah, this could work. And we are not the only program. There are so many out there that do work like us that's amazing, that do work that's similar, adjacent, as you say, that supporting the technical skill side. I mean, there's there's this is a huge ecosystem of players. Right. Um, but yes, those state level DOE and, and potentially at, at the federal level, um, U.S. Department of Education down the road. I mean, again, those policy structures, that's what people have to work with then. So if you're not working with to help people sort of have those policy structures that creating a wind at their back as right. opposed to a wind in their face, then you've not really helped sort of seed an implementation that's going to sustain over time. So yes, those relationships will be critical. Well, once you get double and twit and triple your representation, you're going to be right at being a national player. And so that's when those conversations can happen probably a little bit easier with the national department of ed, you know, so. I think so. Yeah. Cause you need, they need to, you need to prove it. Right. right? I mean, you I mean, it's, you need to show this is working. 
um, and, and not just sort of, yeah, I have this great idea, like, you know, back me. So, yeah. I bet the data collection and, and analysis is, is cool for this because I bet you have a lot of cool metrics that you look at. So, awesome stuff. So, the last thing I'll ask you about is what advice would you offer to students? Advice that you may wish you had gotten when you first started out? Yeah. Um, build your network now. And I know that's hard, but this is one of the things that we're so excited about with District C Teamship is that is immediately going to put you in touch with a business. That is somebody you should build a LinkedIn profile and you should connect with them, right? And you should start following their page and you should start following people that you have something in common with. Don't be afraid. Send them a message. Say, hey, we have this in common. Would you connect with me on LinkedIn? Start following that page build that network, right? If we know anything, we know people hire people who they know and are in their network. So start getting in people's network and it's not too young to start in high school. That, I mean, we actually, as part of our coaches training, we have uh, resources where our coaches work with students on how to create LinkedIn profiles. And again, start connecting with that right. teamship business that you work, other, dis- other businesses that are in our community and that you're meeting, that you know, do it now. I love that. And I don't know if you guys are doing this within the the District C framework, but you can actually invite students to come to come dressed up one day, you know, suit and tie or or, or formal wear and have a, a like a static background and take those headshots. Yeah, and then yeah. go ahead and help them create those pages because I agree with you. One of the best pieces of advice I ever got was uh, always update your resume every single year and I do it pretty much every couple months I'll freshen it up with new experiences that I've had and things like that I think that really matters because um, I find that students will graduate from college they're in, ready to enter the workforce and guess what they have no resume and by that point they should really have a fine-tuned resume it should be very like polished it should have been seen by half a dozen people really got some good feedback and not only that collect resumes from people that you want to be like when you grow up, you know, and I still do this. If I find somebody's got, you know, something, you know, a job or credential that I'm interested in, I'll, you know, seek out that person's credentials and find out this person is successful. What makes them successful? What have they done to get there? And how can I follow in their footsteps? So great, great stuff. Well, and Jones, I greatly appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. This has been tremendous. I think, I think people will love this. And I hope to do this again with you at some point in the future. We'll get an update from you. And so uh, that that's my way of roping you in to bring you back. So. I love it. Sign me up. Sign well, me up. I can't well, wait. We'll talk after uh, we get to do your problem this summer. Okay, my friend. Well, thank you again. I appreciate your time. You too. Take care.